When our lives are in shambles, when our hearts are torn open, we often grasp for anything that will take away the pain. But what if God was able to make it real to us that in the hands of Jesus, sorrow is actually a doorway into a greater experience of blessing? I live in mourning in a certain way because I see inside me, the flesh, the fallen nature, still wanting to think a certain way and and see things a certain way. And so I have to live with that, you know? So my spiritual man, spiritual side, mourns over what my flesh is like. But yet at the same time, I'm full of joy, inexpressible. (laughs) I don't know how to explain that. There is no explanation other than that the morning is creating the scenario for the Lord to fill me with himself. Blessing through mourning? That is a paradox that boggles our mind. But when the truth of it comes home to us, we're given a powerful hope in the midst of our suffering. It's like you've got this dual thing happening inside because you are you're grieving, but somehow at the same time, you know the Lord is in it and he's using it and it produces hope. Steve and Kathy Gallagher are back with me for the third episode in our series, Ashes to Beauty. We're glad you're here. Here we go. All right, so joining me again in the studio are the founders of Pure Life Ministries, Pastor Steve, Kathy Gallagher. Thank you guys. Good to be here. <laughs> um, So this is the third episode in our newest series, Ashes to Beauty. And again, what we're saying in this series is that there is no marriage that is beyond restoration. As long as both the husband and the wife are willing to walk the path toward Christ-likeness. Yeah. And um, that path is laid out in the Beatitudes. Last episode, we talked about the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the second, blessed are those who mourn. So I think, you know, as we were talking about off camera right before this, it's a complex subject because there's a lot of different scenarios Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people who mourn over a lot of different stuff. I think what we want to try to convey in this episode is that God is able to use mourning to produce something very wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think of the scripture that... Sorrow is, is for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And that's real, mm-hmm. that after the morning can come tremendous joy. So we're not going to be able to hit every scenario. We're not going to be able to fit every, uh, meet every need in this, but we can at least cover some basic stuff. Mm-hmm. You've been walking with the Lord, both of you, for four decades, and you went through a lot of mourning. So what is Jesus talking about here? Blessed are those who mourn. Well, like you said, it's different for different people. Everyone's got his own story. Certainly part of it is mourning over sin. Okay, for me as the primary sinner in the couple uh, and the things I did to her, the ways that I hurt her and just tore her down and stuff, I went through a, a lot of mourning in a sense the reality was in those early days, I was still so full of myself, even after experiencing that devastating six-hour thing, that like dealt a real blow to me, but I was still full of myself. And when you're full of yourself, 
your capacity to really care about another person is pretty small. Mm. But I could, even though I was in that condition then, I could still recognize what I had done. And I knew the wrongness of it, the sickness of it, kind of. And so there was some level of feeling bad for how I had treated her, feeling bad for the things I had done, you know, in relation to my walk with God and all that. But also, mourning is broader than that. And for instance, I mourned the losses of a lot of things. Like I'm, um, well, I ended up leaving the sheriff's department. I mourned that for a long time. That hurt. It was painful. I did it because God called me into ministry. And the mourning that I went through over that was part of the process of me changing and becoming more Christ-like you know, over time. I had to go through that. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't like I just quit the job. I'm all excited about going into ministry one day. Mm-hmm. You know, There was a certain degree of excitement, but there was days <laughs> and weeks of now, what did I do? What have yeah. I done? You know, just mm. lamenting. Did I make a horrible mistake? Just all that kind of stuff. That's. Just, I'm just giving you one little thing. I'm. I'm showing that it encompasses a lot of different things that people go through. You know, we have a couple who work for us who lost their son. It's a devastating, horrible experience they went through. But God uses those kinds of things if we respond to Him. Just, again, as I said in the last episode, it's part of that process of diminishing the self-life and bringing us into Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of the same for me. Just um, the morning that I went through was the reality of the things I did in response to his sin. Terrible, terrible decisions that I made. Even now, it still affects me. I had an experience a couple years ago when I just, I was flooded with memories and I was devastated again. It was like it happened yesterday. And I, you know, we don't promote people getting into this self-loathing, inner rakings, Mm -hmm. morbid introspections. That is not healthy. And I don't believe it's what we should be doing. But there are times, especially when you're coming out of sin, there is a time for mourning, for the losses that we incurred because of our own decisions, the losses that we've brought into the lives of other people. There's a time for mourning, but then you you grow into other stages like hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And I believe poverty of spirit and mourning are foundational Mm-hmm. to that hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Mm. So it's all good, but it's all very painful, and it's necessary. You can't stick your head in the sand and act like it didn't happen. One thing that drives me crazy, I understand it, but it's not right when men want their wives to just quickly move on. Yeah, like, I was just going to say that. Yeah, like it, this didn't happen. We're going to just move on. We don't want to talk about it anymore. But that's not right. Well, it's showing their lack of mourning, you know, and it's the tip, like she was saying, the American thing in the last episode, this American Christianity version where, you know, we live this happy, 
prosperous life and everything goes our way. And so the idea of having to mourn and feel badly is like so diametrically opposed to that American idea of Christianity. And so with that attitude, I've seen countless men who can't get out of, um, they want to just skip past everything and act like it didn't happen, like, or it's, what's the big deal? You know, expect the wife to just move get on. over it, yeah. would you? You know, and let's move on. Let's, we got to, let's just, they, they don't take the time to really consider the things they've done. And so therefore, their repentance is somewhat superficial. Mm -hmm. The deeper the mourning, the deeper the repentance, and the more lasting and more powerful the repentance, the more free from the hold of sin. But they want to hurry up and get past it. They don't want to have any so-called suffering. So they they jump out of it, out out of the frying pan as quick as they can, and so the the repentance is superficial, and then they wonder why why did I fall right back into it a month later? Well, and then the other thing, the other part of that though, is the wife. When the husband has that attitude, which is very prevalent, that men just let's move on. What the wife is saying is in her heart. I don't know that she has it all figured out, but the feeling is that didn't go very deep, and that's what creates a lot of fear in a wife because mm. it's like just move on. Are you serious? You know what you've done to me? Yeah. So it's it's good for men to just pause. You know, put your life on hold for a while because you've done enough damage to your wife and it's right. It's maybe not American, but it's definitely heavenly minded to sit and contemplate what you've done and who you are and not move quickly away from that. God is the one who will restore you, not you. You can't restore yourself. You can put yourself in a position, but the mourning, the poverty of spirit and the mourning is part of God's way of restoring the soul. And you see the progression in the Beatitudes. It's just, it's all there. Hmm. So I just encourage the guys... (laughs) You guys who want to quickly get past this, you need to park for a while. Well, I mean, that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians when he's talking about godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is, you know, okay, you feel bad because it's cost you something. I feel bad because my wife left me. I feel bad because I lost my job or whatever it may be. That's, That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow means to really... You just take it. Mm. You know, like as a man, it's right for me. Like if my wife has anger towards me, at some level, my part of it, I'm not justifying her anger or whatever, but after what I've done to her, I need to man up and just, you know, take it as best as I can. For her to express how this has affected her, and I need to just... Let her vent at some level because maybe that's part of what she needs to go through to put it behind her. But again, men being self-centered, which they have been totally self-centered, they just they don't want to put up with three seconds of it. They yeah. flare back in anger and you know and, and that just makes the situation worse. The wife then feels like, well, he hasn't changed a mm. bit. He's still the same jerk that he was before. So the mourning process 
yeah, we're not advocating going the rest of your life, you know, with the flog or how do you yeah, do that? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that Whip. thing's called, <laughs> you beat yourself with. Um, we're not at saying that. But let me say something about maybe I'm taking too dominating too much. Sorry. Um, I mourn the loss of your time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll make it up. Okay. Um, the long term of it is I can tell you this. It is just true that in the Christian life, and it's inexplicable, there's no way to describe this or explain it, but at the, you, you mourn in life and you are full of joy Amen. in That's life. Right. They're both present mm-hmm. all the time. When you start to grow spiritually, both of those are intact in your life. I live in mourning in a certain way mm-hmm. because I see inside me the flesh, the fallen nature, still wanting to think a certain way and, and see things a certain way. And so I have to live with that, you know? And so my spiritual man, spiritual side, mourns over what my flesh is like. And I live in that kind of, not self-loathing in the way that yeah. psychologists would think of it, not that, but loathing of my self-life, you know, that flesh that still is just as corrupt and nasty as it was 50 years ago or whenever it was. But yet at the same time, I'm full of joy, inexpressible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. There mm-hmm. is no explanation other than that the morning is creating the scenario for the Lord to fill me with himself. Uh, that's the best I can It's think the of. hope. It's like, you know, when, you, when you've been exposed and it comes out, the sin comes out, whether you're a man or a woman, whatever the sin is, with the confession or with the expose, for a lot of people, not everybody, comes hope because now it's out, you know? And it's like that with the mourning thing. It's like you... You've got this dual thing happening inside because you are, you're grieving, but somehow at the same time, you know the Lord is in it and he's using it and it produces hope. It really does. At least it did for me. And I think it does with a true Christian. You know that the Lord is in it and that it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It shouldn't be shunned. You shouldn't be running away from the feeling of loss. You know, all of this that we're talking about is not for the faint of heart, and it is not for nominal, half-hearted, believing Christians. There are things about the kingdom of God that will never make sense to the natural mind. It does not make sense. It doesn't add up. But if you pray it through and you are engaged with the Holy Spirit, you will begin to understand how God thinks. You will understand how the kingdom of God works. Hmm. And it's mourning doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel good. It's like, where's the happy ending in that? You have to get the heart and mind of God. Well, it's Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, he talks about the comfort of the Holy Spirit to those who mourn. Mm-hmm. And that's the blessing that Jesus doesn't mention. It makes room for the Holy Spirit to come in. And so instead of this superficial little 
happy thing, you know, up on the surface of life, this top surface of the water. Instead of that, the Holy Spirit comes in in a depth, deep inside your being, you know, in your heart, and creates joy by his presence there. So, you know, if we try to live up here at the level, that's that's the unbelievers. That's how they live their lives. They on emotion, the emotional, intellectual mm-hmm. level. That's that's all they know. And superficial Christians, if they're saved, I don't know about that. That's up to the Lord. It's beyond me. But people who live that way and consider themselves Christians, and they never go anywhere. They they just like the unsaved. They're completely dependent on their feelings. Completely dependent on favorable circumstances, mm-hmm. completely dependent on everything going the way they want it to go. And if it doesn't, they're miserable. You know, that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is that something is deep inside. There is the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the blessedness from God where he comes inside you and creates something so deep down in the ocean depths you know, that the storms of life up there on the surface does not have any effect on what's going on deep within. Mm. Mourning, yeah, you're, you're mourning over things going on up here, but something's happening within you that circumstances other people, the world can't get at and can't affect. So, like, um, again, you've walked alongside hundreds of different couples, heard from hundreds of different couples, um, what typically happens in a marriage relationship when the husband and wife are just not willing to mourn the way Jesus said? Well, their self-life remains intact, and then it ends up becoming my self-life against your self-life, right. and barbs going back and forth, no unity, no depth of relationship, it's just if, if everything's going well, okay, we can get along pretty good. But there's no depth, and you, and you can't hardly weather any storms together. You know, you'll be at each other's throat, and you may stay together for the kids or for appearances or whatever. But, yeah, there's no that's real a, unity. That's a spirit of divorce. Yeah. That's where it comes from. Yeah. And it is a spirit. Yes. You know, it doesn't matter that 50% or more of the church have all been divorced. That unwillingness, what it is, is more of the self life. It's protecting your rights, it's protecting yourself, it's keeping you from being hurt. So you've got this animosity, which is huh, not the Christian life. You know, it's just not. So they just are at each other, expecting each other to be something that the other one needs, and they're not, so they they fight. It's just like what James said. You fight and you quarrel because you aren't getting what you want. And that is the spirit of divorce, whether it's a marriage or just relationships. People Mm -hmm. are at odds with each other. It is so Mm anti-Christ. I've said this so many times. I don't know if I've said it on tape or not, but I'm going to say it now. And I'm saying this especially to women, but I'm saying it to men too. The most Christ-like characteristic there is, is forgiveness. That is the top of the heap. And if you can't forgive one another, 
then there is not a lot of hope. You have to have that spirit in you, and it comes from the Lord. Mm. It's not a human thing. I didn't forgive him because I was just, you know, whatever. It wasn't a temperament issue. It was Christ in me that gave me the power to forgive and to keep forgiving. And that's what they have to do with each other. Was there an element for you in terms of forgiveness that was made possible because you were seeing what you were also really like? Yeah, I absolutely. That is what fueled it to a large degree because it was like there's a chapter in my book, Level Playing Ground, when I saw what I was capable of and the things I was in. I was in adultery. I ran off with another man. And it was like when I did that, I felt so completely justified. It was like this guy was a monster to me. He was horrible. And then Prince Charming waltzes into my world, gives me life on a silver platter. It was awesome. And I really believe that was God's blessing. God was blessing me to sin with this man. That's basically what it amounted to. I didn't say that or think that, but I really believed God was blessing me. By giving me this guy, I can divorce this guy and I can go and get my happy life. And I was in such a state of delusion when I realized when God confronted me, it was just life-changing. And I saw myself just the way I was seeing him. I was the same person. And it was wonderful. I mean, it was horrible, but it ended up being a wonderful blessing. And it's like, how could I withhold from him what God had just granted to me? Because when I repented, I really repented. How could I not do the same for him? And it's just been that solid as a rock in my life. Yeah, she has a chapter in her book called Level Playing Field, which that's really what it's all about is she saw herself as a sinner. And so we were able to come to the cross together hand in hand. She never looked down on me through that whole process. She was just totally focused on her own failures. And man, that, that was such a blessing to me well, yeah, of course it would be, right? But I don't mean it in a selfish way. It just helped me that I wasn't having to fight with my wife and also fight my flesh mm-hmm. and fight the devil and fight the world. You know, my wife was alongside me, and we were going through this battle together. And it was partly because she mourned over what she was like mm-hmm. and— um yeah, so it was part of the, the whole healing process that we both went through. The, the thing that was good for me, whether I was in adultery or not, I think this may have happened, I'm not sure, but living in the reality that I'm a sinner. I am a sinner in need of a Savior all the time. I was never better than him. I never saw myself as better. I never saw myself as like, I would never do anything like that. I never, I wasn't like that. And I always use the Luke 18 parable when the tax collector and the Pharisee went into the temple to pray because that can often be the spirit that some wives can get into. And it's like that, that is an indicator that you have not come to terms with the real you. Because if you dig deep enough, you'll find stuff in there that will separate you from the Lord. 
So yeah. I'm just encouraging women to not be afraid to just get real, get really honest with yourself. Hmm. Well, one thing I'll mention about her, uh, she one time, this was probably 30 years ago or so, I'm not sure when, 35 years ago maybe, um, sat down with a piece of paper and started writing out. What was it? I was making a list. The Lord directed me, write a list of everything that's in your heart that no one knows that you would be embarrassed for them to find out about. And I did. I made the list, and, and it, it was, was ugly. It was devastating, it right? Was it was very devastating. Very painful, but, you know, that's something that very few people are willing to do. But that's the kind of thing that you go through that's what sets you free of the self-life. And, you know... It, get, it makes you have a lot more grace for other people yeah. that are sinners. It really does. When you see yourself the right way, you have a lot more grace and the power to forgive. It's just there. It's present. Mm -hmm. um, so then what happens in the marriage when both the husband and the wife are willing to mourn? Like, what's the atmosphere like between them? Well, there's, the main thing is that you, there's none of the there's attacks no attack. against yeah. each other. You know, that's the main thing is you're working together and there's nothing to attack because you're only looking at yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the opposite of a critical spirit. It's just a lack of a critical spirit. So, um, yeah, it just makes for peace in it the was, home. Uh, it was hopeful. You know, nothing was calculated or measured or written out or there was no plan. There was no scheme. It was just life. We were just doing life, but we were on the same page. And there was a lot of hope. There were a lot of ups and downs. I don't want to make this sound like it was, you know, placid sea. Um, there were a lot of bumps, but there was a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. And I knew from the wife's perspective, I knew even though he was very raw and very rough, my hope was I knew what God had done in him. And that kept me. And I know a lot of women are saying, well, I don't have that kind of, I don't, I don't have that kind of hope. That doesn't matter. Your hope has to come from the Lord mm -hmm. and your walk with the Lord. And just do what you know is right to do to be loving and forgiving. Love your husband. It's okay. You don't have to have your walls up. You don't have to have your armor on. You don't have to wait for the next shoe to drop. Quit living like that. That's not the right way to live. And the Lord was in it. He was in every bit of it, even when we hit a rough spot, even when he would fail. It was okay. It didn't mean we were going to go back to square one. That's not what failure is. Failure is part of the process. It's part of the journey. And that's not an, an okay for the guys to go ahead and give over. It's just reality. It was rough, but we were on the same page. We were loving each other as best as we could, and we were forgiving each other as best as we could, and we were chasing after Jesus mm. as best as we could. <laughs> There's no map, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is the hard thing about doing shows like this, you know, because they're God is not laying out a roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. It's a spiritual 
transformation. Yep, it is. <laughs> that is very different for a lot of different people. And it's two sinners trying to do it together. Mm. It's very important to remember, you're both sinners. Well, there is a roadmap. It's just that there's so many myriad of variables mm -hmm. that it's not going to look the same. Right. But there are some basic components involved yeah. that you can say these are the things that should. And the, the Beatitudes mm -hmm. are, are great stepping stones. That is a yeah. great roadmap, actually. It really is. Yeah, and what you're saying is that mourning, we do not see mourning correctly. Mm -mm. No. In ourself. So yeah. for the husband and wife who are in this place where it feels like all that there ever will be is mourning, that's not true. Not if they'll. Not if they're following the Lord that's right. and yeah. letting that's Him right. do His work. Yeah. You grow out of the mourning. I mean, there will always, I mean, there's times now, not with the marriage at all, but just in life. Yeah. And I think it's normal as a Christian to have those times when you're just like, ugh, you know, yeah. there, there she is again, <laughs> you know? That's not a bad thing. It just yeah. keeps you grounded and centered on, yeah, turning to Jesus. So personally, wrapping up an episode like this is kind of hard for me because I know that there are no easy answers when you are intensely hurting. And if you're like me, cheap platitudes are unhelpful and, frankly, annoying. When you're suffering, you don't need empty words. You need solid truth. When Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, that's not just some man offering you well-meaning words to give you a little uplift for your day. And it's not some self-help guru giving you his opinion. It's God in the flesh giving you words that you can hang your life on. It's Jesus speaking eternally unbreakable truth. We pray that God will come very near to you in your time of pain, that he will give tremendous grace to you whose lives are full of sorrow, and that he would help you believe that he is faithful and true even when the evidence seems to say otherwise. Thanks for joining us again on Purity for Life. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.